Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Julien Lefort about the correlation between resilience and diversity and inclusion. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. I'm super excited for this conversation. Today, we're going to be exploring diversity, equity, and inclusion, but from a slightly different angle, we're going to be looking at it uh, within the context of the relationship between resilience and diversity and inclusion. As we get started, I just wanted to share Julian's bio with everybody. For the past 15 years, Julian has worked with both nonprofit and for-profit organizations. Originally, he worked in a corporate environment, managing learning and development globally. His job was supporting people in their development as leaders and as individuals, creating programs that would make them shine as employees and make them grow and develop. After being forced to stay at work for a meeting, resulting in him missing an important event in his daughter's life and a feeling of being stuck in his work, Julian decided to make the shift to entrepreneurship. Now he's a successful coach, a trainer, a mentor, and and coaches others and works with a range of truly amazing individuals from coaches to creative entrepreneurs. It's a pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to share by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in further? I think I think that's a very good summary of uh, the, the last few years of my life, but it may, maybe the only thing I would add is um, in relationship to the topic we're going to talk about, um, especially around diversity and inclusion, is I've come from a very diverse background myself. So I have divorced parents, uh, a mother that remarried um, someone from West Africa, have an aunt from the LGBTQ community. I'm now married to a Romanian with um, two daughters now uh, who speak three languages. So I think um, the, the topic we're going to talk about, I think, really bridges between two passions. One that is more of a professional passion, the resilience coaching and what it is a, a personal passion, I think, which is the, the diversity and the inclusion side of it. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. As we get into this, uh, I, I think with your tremendous background, let's start by laying the groundwork for really the case uh, for diversity and inclusion. And I, that's been talked about a lot. I've talked about it on this podcast before. I see there being a clear business case for it. I also see there being a clear human case for it. Um, how do you make sense of that? Like, what is the value of diversity and inclusion uh, for organizations, for teams, and for individuals? And then we can get into the connection with resilience. Yeah, completely. So I think for me that, that you made a point that is very, very interesting is that, um, and one of the reasons as well why I went into digging deeper into the relationship within the two, but diversity and inclusion specifically, is that when you when you Google search diversity and inclusion and benefits, you get a lot that is about the organization. And 
obviously you have got like the common ones, like it's going to improve performance, it's going to improve um, your revenue and so on. But there is actually very little out there, which is about how does it benefit the individuals themselves? And I think for me, that's what becomes much more important because ultimately, if we want to become more resilient, uh, sorry, more inclusive individuals, what we need to do is to find what are the benefits for us as individuals. And for me, it's it always goes back to who we are as individuals and and the connections that we are creating and the our own needs and values and i think that's that's the core of what i'm doing as well it's linking that diversity and inclusion with what are those human needs that i have as an individual what are those values that i have that are deeply ingrained and how is that diversity and inclusion really helping me um and obviously helping the others around and i think it has that um, that kind of snowball effect um, afterwards towards teams and towards organizations as well. But I think ultimately at the core is the human being and the, the, the people of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm all for, I think the human case should be all we need uh, in talking about the importance of diversity and inclusion. Uh, but clearly there is a business case too. So even if you don't care about the, the human element and, and you're just kind of a cold-blooded, you know, heartless capitalist and you just want to make money, it still makes sense to, to, yes. uh, to focus on diversity and inclusion. There's still a clear business case for it and you're going to be better off, your organization's going to be better off if you focus on these elements. Uh, and it, it continues to blow my mind um, that there are so many organizations that are just completely oblivious to this or just behind on this. Uh, I actually am, I'm uh, working with a, a client currently, um, you know, that th- in their division, they have like out of 20 people, they have like one female and they're currently doing searches uh, to fill another position. And there's no females on the hiring committee. They're not in- even interviewing any females, even though I know for a fact that they have female applicants. And while I don't think they're blatantly sexist, um, I don't think they're like trying to like keep women out. I think there's just implicit biases at play. And, and if, if people can't pay attention to that and counteract it, you're going to be shooting yourself in the foot over and over again. And so that's what this client is doing. I think conceptually, they get the importance of diversity and inclusion, uh, but it's not moving into practice in any meaningful way yet. And they have a lot of work to do, frankly, um, or, and they're going to miss out on a whole lot of really good talent in the meantime. Okay, so with all of this uh, as the groundwork for uh, for this, uh, the importance, the business case, the human case for diversity and inclusion, I know you do a lot of work in talking about resiliency and, and, the, and the connection between resilience and diversity and inclusion. So uh, tell us a little bit more about that and why that's an important connection to make. Yeah, definitely. So I, my work actually started with resilience coaching i've i've been doing that for like full time on my own for the last four years um and it's always been a topic that was very interesting for me and actually bringing the diversity and inclusion added really a a, a really valuable layer to it because what is interesting actually is that there is a correlation both ways so the more diverse and inclusive you are the more resilient you're going to become but the more resilient you are the more diverse and inclusive you're going to become as well. So I think there's a lot of work that can be done um, around that because it's it's supporting each other, really. 
and some simple things that we can look into. So if, if we look at resilience, and if I break it down into maybe like the, the, the four main areas, in my opinion, that are important behind resilience. One is what I call composure. So that's the, the kind of the control you have of your own emotions, of your environment. If you're more in control, what's going to happen ultimately is that you are able to be more open. You're more vulnerable, maybe. You're able to listen more to the people around you which means when you have people from different backgrounds, you don't feel attacked or offended because someone is doing something different that doesn't fit into your own framework, into your own kind of personal culture. You're able to stop and, and really open your ears and say, okay, I want to hear what you have to bring on the table. Um, same as well, another element of resilience is um, confidence or self-assurance, confidence in my own abilities and that interpersonal confidence that I have with others as well. Again, when I'm able to be uh, more resilient, what happens suddenly is, and on the confidence side, I'm able to say, well, I'm not feeling, again, attacked by someone else who comes from a different background. Because when we talk about diversity and inclusion, we can talk about... Um, race we can talk about sexual orientation but it could be simply i have someone who has 25 years more experience or 25 years less experience than me how am i going to take it when they come over and they say well i have an opinion if if i'm feeling good and resilient and and mentally tough actually that's probably the word um i'm able to say well i'm going to value that opinion the same way anyone else would bring it on the table and vice versa as well, if I'm more inclusive, I'm going to start seeing as well the benefits for me as an individual to say, well, how do I become more performant? Um, there is a, an amazing piece of research, actually, um, which um, you probably know about the, um, the forming, storming, norming, performing curve um, of teams. And there is an amazing piece of research showing actually how well, the curve goes down deeply with more diverse teams because it's more difficult at the beginning. It is hard. We're all bringing our different our differences and our individuality. And of course, we're going to have clashes. But actually, when we look in the long term at the performance, the curve goes, I don't know, tenfold um, in terms of performance. And I think that's that's what shows that 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 resilience here comes from that curve that goes down at the beginning, being able to pass yeah. that and move forward from it. Otherwise, if we were not resilient enough to be able to enter that space, well, we probably would give up. Yeah, that that's a super interesting framing for for diversity, equity, and inclusion. You're you're right, absolutely. So in that storming phase, every group, every team goes through it. Uh, but the, the more similar the group is, the faster they can move through that stage, right? And so people may think, oh, this is amazing. This is wonderful. And this is the way it should be. I want all my teams to be like this because look how fast we can get become productive. But what they don't see is on the tail end, uh, their, their outcomes are far less 
that they don't achieve as much. And so I really love the focus on resilience and grit and determination and just Mm -hmm. sticking with it. So even when you have people with vastly different backgrounds, experiences, perspectives, of course, that storming phase is going to be more challenging because you're trying to get people to trust each other and coalesce around a common vision and, and purpose. Uh, that just takes time. That takes energy and, and you can't really shortcut it. You just have to do the work. But once you do that and you develop those relationships and you develop the. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital. Exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for your individuals, teams, and organizations. Uh, and people can work proactively together towards creating something, now you're going to be, be able to, you're just going to have so many better perspectives to create and innovate and, and really bring better products and services to market. Um, so I love, I love that connection uh, with, with, uh, with that theory and how you look at in, in the research you're talking about in relation to the, the correlation with resilience and diversity and inclusion. One thing I haven't mentioned necessarily in the, in the resilience, in the, the different um, kind of domains of resilience is one of them is, is that challenge side as well. So how do we take risks? And I think for organizations, what um, then people tend to forget is when you have really resilient and mentally tough individuals, they're going to take more risks. And it's true that risk means, well, we can fail, but if we're truly resilient, we're going to learn from these failures. But actually, when the the risk is worthwhile, suddenly as well, again, the performance will multiply. We see it, I mean, we've seen it in the last two years, these organizations that have really gone through the pandemic strongly are the ones who've been able to take risk and say, we're going to do things differently. And the only way you can do things differently is because you have that group of people around you that is able to say, well, we're going to take that risk, but because we have all these experiences together, we're taking a calculated risk in some ways. Yeah. And that calculated risk is going to not always pay off, obviously, otherwise it wouldn't be a risk. But uh, if you put the time and effort into it, uh, it definitely can pay off in spades in the long run. So I guess the question then is how do we how do we f- foster greater resiliency 
amongst teams as they're going through, you know, that storming phase as they're trying to coalesce so that we can foster, you know, a really healthy, diverse and inclusive environment. So I think the, the first thing I think that comes to mind, and it's, it's not necessarily what is going to foster the resilience there, but it's more re- a realization that organizations and teams and leaders need to have as well is, as we said, it takes time. So patience, I think, is going to be a very important element here in, in, that, uh, in that equation, because we need to take things one step at a time, and it's okay if it doesn't change fully. You mentioned um, when we have teams that are similar, it, we're going through that storming phase much faster, and it's not necessarily a good thing. So that patience is going to be very, very important, I think. The second thing as well is to think about, because it, it is about changing habits ultimately, and what is important there to become really sustainable in that, in that growth, whether it's actually on the diversity and inclusion or on the resilience, is to really engage everyone into that learning, into that, into that development and leaders. So I, I think one of the things I want to say here is a, a lot of the time um, organizations rely on a group of people, often from HR specialists to DI specialists to kind of run the whole thing. It can only be sustainable, actually, if we truly have that buy-in from everyone in the organization, all the leaders that are going to actually push that forward. So I think that's another thing that is going to be very important. How do we bring those people on board and, again, link back to who they are as individuals, what are the benefits that it will give them as individuals to be able to move forward. And once we have that buy-in, then we can really start changing the culture and changing the habits. Um, And one thing, again, that is very important is to have, I think, very, very simple strategies, not make it too complicated that people don't understand what they should be doing with themselves. Um, One tool, for example, around resilience that I love using, um, I call it um, um, turning ants into pets. So ants is an acronym for automatic negative thoughts. Pets is for positive enabling thoughts. And it's how do you look at some of the experiences you've had, some of the challenges you've had and think, okay, how do I turn maybe those negative thoughts that I have about that experience or about the goal that I want to achieve into things that are going to enable me? Um, And that's a very simple exercise. But ultimately what happens is that people are starting to focus on the positive side rather than on the negative side and everybody can do it. Um, So some of these small exercises, how do you help people focus more maybe? Um, How do you help people learn from some of the mistakes that the team has had and what we can do differently? Some of these small things actually are going to have a huge impact um, rather than actually thinking, how do I run out, at, I don't know, how do I roll out a, a gigantic program that is going to bring everything about diversity and inclusion and everything about resilience and change habits from today to tomorrow? Um, obviously, some of the work I do as well is, is around coaching, as we mentioned. I think coaching is an amazing tool for that. And that doesn't necessarily mean you need to hire someone as a coach. You can have leaders as well, really taking that role of leader coach um, to be able to support 
their teams to grow through that um, through that change as well, because ultimately they're going to need that individualized and personalized approach, and the leader here needs to become that 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 coach that is going to support them go step by step while some will go faster than others others might need a bit more time and it's okay so i think for me these are some of the things that are important to keep in mind when we're when we're developing that that team resilience and ultimately individual resilience yeah i love it all of that is is really good and i think it's important to to recognize and remember that there are practical things that we can start doing right now today to make a difference. We can put um, processes in place, mechanisms in place to, to diminish the amount of unconscious bias that might be at play in our organization. Uh, I, I don't think most people walk around trying to be racist, sexist, homophobic, or whatever. I think uh, most people tried to to do right and when they're they're making hiring decisions or promotion decisions or who's going to work on which projects you know they're going to try to do it as fairly and, and objectively as they feel like they can but we all have stuff going on in the back of our brains the unconscious biases that shape so much of what we do and so if we really want to be inclusive and we want to bring more diversity to the table so we even have a chance at this resiliency in the in the team building that we were talking about, we have to put in place the mechanisms to to allow for that to happen. Otherwise, we're never even going to get diversity around the table. And that's just a first step, right? So we have to think about the things we can do right now today. Diversity and inclusion is hard. It, it's a it's a sticky topic. It's a it's a challenging thing. Um, but we can't say that and then just use that as, as an excuse to really not put the time and effort into making a difference now. Um, and so that's that's something I just want to, to hit home. Everyone listening, think about what you can do today in your organizations, in your teams to improve the situation um, so that you can foster greater inclusivity. And so you can foster the resiliency, the, the grit and the determination of your team to, to work it out and to, and to get to the point where they're high functioning, high performing with the collective genius of all these diverse, uh, different points of view. Well, Julian, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. I know at the time, and I'm going to have to let you go here in a few minutes, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about, uh, your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yes, definitely. Well, um, the, the best way to reach out is probably either through LinkedIn um, so Julian Lefort or directly through my website as well. My organization is called Future Minds and the website is wearefutureminds.com. So they can find more information about um, the topic, obviously, on diversity and inclusion and coaching and resilience. Um, but also you can reach out to me through that. You have links to all my social media um, accounts as well. So that's very happy to definitely um, connect with people. I have um, a couple of things I can send people as well. I have beautiful um, diversity and kind of self-inclusion um, questionnaire that people can complete. I can send it to them if they want, um, if they want to figure out where they are and what is it that they're missing. Because I think we are all 
more or less advanced in our journey. We are, we, there are things we do well, things we do not as, as well. So I think it's a good way to see well, where is it that I can focus a little bit more. So happy to, happy to share that with anyone who is interested as well. And yeah, I think probably the, 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 the thing that I want maybe to, to leave everyone with, because you were mentioning about we can all do something. I think probably this very simple thing that we can always do, but I don't think we always do it very well these days is to listen and to ask questions rather than come with, as you said, with all our biases and our experiences. I think sometimes just stopping and saying, I'm going to not say a word. I'm going to listen to the other person and maybe ask, what is it that I can do differently is such a simple tool but at the same time, such a powerful tool as well. I think that's that's a good place to start. Yeah, that is a wonderful place to start. Thank you, thank you, Julian. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Julian can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.